0: our Lord Jesus on this Christmas morning together. We confess as, or let let us first rise to uh, lift up our hearts to worship the Lord, our God. We confess as God's congregation, our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the Lord's greeting this morning. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's worship God with the words of hymn 16, all stanzas. Let's come before the Lord, our God, in prayer. Our gracious and merciful God and Father, what a... Tremendous blessing it is to know that we are a people that belong to Jesus Christ. We thank you on this Christmas morning for the greatest gift ever given to humanity, that you yourself came into our world to live as one of us, uh, to live the perfect life on our behalf that we ought to have lived and then to go to the cross and die the, the propitiatory death, the sacrificial death for our sins, so that we might be washed clean of our sins, and made pure and holy in your sight, and be called by your name, and be reconciled to you. Lord, we thank you for this great gift. And we thank you that we may come together as a congregation, that we have the freedom to do this in this country, to be able to worship you together, Uh, We thank you that we may enjoy the Christian fellowship with one another. Uh, What a great gift it is to have a hundred mothers, a hundred fathers, a hundred brothers and sisters all around us as part of one Christian family. We thank you for this, especially in this Christmas season. We pray that you would bless us now as we worship you, as we listen to your word and think about the things that you would teach us there. Grant that our hearts would be stirred up to praise you even more as a result of hearing uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would cause us then to respond in worship, in praise, and in joy, so that we may also go from this place with thanksgiving in our hearts, and that this may be a Christmas devoted to, uh, to celebrating the great gift that we have in Christ. So we pray, bless our worship this morning. We pray this in Christ's name alone. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, this may well be the most famous Christmas text in in the Bible. Uh, Luke 2, we'll be focusing on on the Song of Simeon, actually, towards the end of the chapter, verses 29 to 32. But we'll read uh, the, uh, the chapter from verse 1 to verse 35. Luke 2, verse 1. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So far, the reading of God's word. As we, as we think about what we've read, let's sing together from hymn 22, all stanzas. As I just mentioned, the text I'd like for us to focus on is verses 29 through 32 of that chapter. That's the Song of Simeon, which we also just sang together. So you may be helped by having your Bibles open. Otherwise, listen very carefully, and uh, you'll be able to track along with that song as we work through it. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as well as any guests among us, uh, as the world celebrates christmas in many different ways around us uh, whether it's as a season for for family gatherings as a time perhaps for giving and receiving gifts uh, many many are excited for that uh, also as a lucrative retail season for some that's what christmas is is all about it's the time when you as a business start making money uh, or whatever other way that that canadians will celebrate this holiday Uh, We as Christians have the special and unique privilege of celebrating this day, remembering something that is far more precious, far more important than anything else that might be celebrated on this day. Uh, The gift, the most precious gift that has ever been given to mankind, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Roughly 2,021 years ago, Uh, He was born, uh, scholars think, probably in the year 3 BC. So, 2,021 years ago, in the little town of Bethlehem, the most precious gift ever given uh, was born into our world. As we reflect on the significance, then, of Jesus' birth, I want to do so through the lens of the song that's there in uh, in Luke chapter 2, the song of Simeon. Uh, We meet this man, Simeon, in verse 25. Now, the context for this is Joseph and Mary were taking the baby Jesus to the temple to be consecrated to God. Uh, this was 40 days, a month and a little bit, after he was born in that, in that uh, stall and laid in a manger. And the background to that is there was a law in Exodus and in Leviticus, it's repeated, uh, that, requ- that required that every firstborn son would be de- dedicated or devoted or consecrated to the Lord and had to be redeemed by, by a sacrifice. This, this was a, a reminder for the people of Israel of the day when, when they were leaving Egypt and God slaughtered all the firstborn sons in Egypt but spared the firstborn sons of Israel. Uh, and God declared at that time, every firstborn son will now be holy to the Lord, belonging to the Lord, and had to be redeemed by blood sacrifice. If it is not their blood that is shed, then it is the blood of, of an animal or, or another creature on their behalf. Uh, and so the firstborn sons were to be brought to the temple to be redeemed. That would have taken place always 40 days after their birth. That was the time for the mother's purification after childbirth. So in, in verse 22, it speaks of a, a time for purification. That's what that's referring to. Uh, so Joseph and Mary then brought this baby, their baby Jesus to the temple to be presented as their firstborn before God. And there in the temple, they meet this man, Simeon. Now, we don't know anything about this man, Simeon. It's possible that perhaps he was one of the priests serving at the temple. It's a little odd that Luke doesn't mention that. If he was a priest, you would expect him to mention it. Uh, But Luke doesn't. Uh, But he does hold the baby Jesus, which sort of suggests that they must have presented the baby to him. All that Luke tells us is he was a righteous and devout man who lived in Jerusalem, Someone who is waiting for what Luke calls the consolation of Israel. Uh, what's that all about? Uh, that's referring to the day of salvation that God had promised was going to come. Uh, so we just sang together from, uh, from hymn 16, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And that's uh, a, a portrayal of the hope of the Israelites for the coming of that day of consolation, the day of, of salvation. The prophet Daniel... Uh, who wrote about 400 or 500 years earlier had said that it would be 490 years until the coming of the Messiah you can read about that in Daniel 9 if you're interested and and so there were many Jews at this time now who were waiting very expectantly saying the time is fulfilled when will the consolation of Israel come uh, so we have this this righteous devout man in Jerusalem waiting on God's word, hoping for the fulfillment of God's promise, and it seems that he was nearing the end of his life. Uh, it, it says he had, he was he had waited all his life for this this consolation, and it hadn't yet come. And when the when he writes the song, he says, "Now let your servant depart in peace." Gives you the impression he's an old man already by this point. And the the untold story there is. Uh, All the years of him coming to the temple thinking maybe this is the year and realizing no it's not. Uh, Waiting, hoping, trusting in God's promises uh, and coming now to the end of his life without seeing those promises come to fulfillment. But we're also told that at some point he had been visited by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him uh, that, that he would not die before this Messiah would come. That was his hope and that was his reason for for expecting and coming over and over again to the temple saying, this must be the year, because God had told him, you will see this child born. And there we find him then in the temple one more year, once again in the temple, filled with the Spirit of God and, and waiting for the Messiah. And he sees the baby Jesus, takes him in his arms, blesses God and says those words. Let's read them again in verse 29. Uh, He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I want to focus on, on three Key words in, in that song. The word salvation. You see that there? Uh, salvation, light, and glory. Salvation, light, and glory. I think those are the key words to understand Simeon's song. He says, My eyes have seen your salvation in the presence of all peoples. So there's a general term. Salvation for all peoples. Uh, and a light for the Gentiles. The Greek word Gentiles can also mean nations, so a light to the nations and glory to your people Israel. Do so you see there's, there's a, a general, salvation for all peoples, and then two specifics. There's light for the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. So one general, two, two specifics. I want to start then and, and spend the bulk of our time on, on the general. Uh, Simeon saw the baby Jesus and exclaimed, My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Brothers and sisters, that is what Christmas is all about. The salvation God prepared for all peoples. What we celebrate above everything else is the salvation of the world. And the, the theme of salvation, even the word salvation, comes, over, comes back over and over again in Luke 2, as well as in, in Matthew 1, where they tell the story of Jesus' birth. The theme of salvation is, is right up and, and in the forefront. Uh, what, what we celebrate is that God came into our broken, fallen world in need of salvation uh, in order to save us. And that's what the whole of the Old Testament, uh, that's the Bible Simeon would have had, right? The, just the Old Testament, the New Testament wasn't, wasn't written yet. And the whole of the Old Testament is about God preparing salvation for all peoples. Uh, looking forward to that day. Uh, a good way to, to think about the Hebrew Bible is there are two themes that are prominent. One is our need for salvation uh, the brokenness of humanity, right? Right from the fall into sin in, in Genesis 3. Uh, there's brokenness, there's hostility, there's violence. Already the next chapter, Cain kills his brother Abel. Uh, and and the, the the theme of violence is just sown throughout the, the Old Testament. Uh, there's idolatry, there's evil, and it's just the story of, of humanity's brokenness, humanity's fallenness, humanity's need for. For for God. And then there's a second theme in the Old Testament. And that is the theme of God's work. God's plan for salvation. Starting already again in Genesis 3. There's a promise given to Adam and Eve. And then that theme is woven out and worked through the Old Testament. Uh, more and more God chooses Abraham. Makes a great nation of him. Uses him and, and them as a blessing for all peoples, and more and more, especially as the Old Testament draws to a close, there's that resounding promise, the day of salvation is coming. So there's a brokenness of humanity, the salvation prepared by God. And that's what, I, uh, that's, that's what Simeon now sees. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. Uh, The the way he puts it reminds me of Isaiah 52, uh, one of the last prophets to speak. Isaiah says, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. That's what Simeon was looking for. And that's what the people of God uh, in, in that time, we're all waiting for. Believing God's Word, trusting that God is going to make good on, on that promise. And the time is now. And, and they knew how, how badly, at least men like Simeon knew, how badly they needed salvation. And that's, uh, again, that's, that's what we, we sing about in, in the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? Uh, God with us. That's the meaning of the name Emmanuel, God with us. And, and so the people were praying, God, hasten the day when you will come and finally be with us as you promised to bring us the salvation uh, that we so badly need. Well, that's what Christmas is is all about, the fulfillment of all of God's promises, at the beginning of the salvation of, of the world for all of us as sinners. It's the day when, when God came, the righteous, perfect God came into an unholy, imperfect world to save an unholy, imperfect people and to reconcile them back to God. And that's, what, in fact, what the name Jesus even means. Uh, you, you hear that in in matthew 's account of the Gospel. the angel comes to Joseph and and tells him, "Do not fear to take mary as your as your wife, for that which is conceived is from the Holy Spirit, and you shall give him the name Jesus." For he will save his people from their sins. That's what the name Jesus means. Yahweh saves in the Hebrew. Uh, Yahweh saves. And that's, again, what Christmas is all about. You see it in, in uh, this chapter as well. Uh, that theme of salvation coming back again and again. So, brothers and sisters, as we celebrate Christmas uh, in 2018, uh, celebrate, we, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And what we celebrate above everything else is the gift, the undeserved, uh, unmerited gift of salvation that we're reminded again at Christmas we so badly need. Uh, we needed this gift, uh, the, the, the Emmanuel to dwell with a people that had walked away from their God. God coming back to be with us. Uh, Christmas Day then is is, is the day where we we remember the grace of God and the love of God for an undeserving and unloving people. So Simeon then looks at the baby Jesus, recognizes him first of all as the salvation for all peoples, and then also the light of revelation to the Gentiles or, or the nations. So here he's taking the, the general and, and making it specific, saying, what does salvation mean for, for Gentiles in particular? Uh, Christmas Day is, is salvation for all peoples. It's revelation or light for, for the Gentiles. The light of God's revelation. Now here's another theme that's, that's just woven throughout Scripture, these themes of, of light and darkness. Uh, because what is it like when humanity walks away from God? It's like darkness. It's like stumbling around, not knowing right versus wrong, uh, not knowing the meaning of life itself, living in angst, living in, in, in again, the, the, the violence, uh, the hostility that is all there in, in the Old Testament the best metaphor you can come up with for the condition of our race is darkness. And so Simeon looks at the baby Jesus and says, Finally, there's light for people that didn't know God. A people that were in ignorance, now they will come to know God. Uh, and and those, those of us who, who have come to Christianity from... Uh, from outside uh, of Christianity can testify to that contrast. The, the darkness of their former life and the light of, now, of, of what life is like now knowing Jesus Christ. Uh, how different it is from a life of not knowing God to a life of living in God's presence. It is like darkness to light. And so Simeon sees the baby Jesus and recognizes here is finally light For a people that long walked in darkness. You think of a prophecy, right, in Isaiah 9, um, where he looks forward to the birth of the Messiah and says, The people who dwelt in darkness, uh, that's the Gentiles, those living outside the borders of Israel. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light in the coming of Emmanuel. Uh, the coming of Jesus is light into a dark world. Uh, you think of the, the Gospel of John as well, how it tells the Christmas story. And it, it's, it simply speaks of light coming into the darkness. And the people in darkness not knowing what to do uh, with, with that light. Uh, it's light into a dark world. Uh, so it's light to... To, so, the birth of Jesus is light to the Gentiles, and he's also the glory of Israel. That's the third uh, key word in this text. So, salvation for all people, light for people that didn't know God, and glory for those that did. Uh, glory for the people of Israel. It, it is the Jews' unique privilege to be the bearers, uh, humanly speaking, the bearers of God's salvation, the ones through whom God came into our world and, and accomplished all of, all of his, his plans. Uh, now, uh, today, as we are Gentiles, most of us anyways, uh, and, and there are believing Jews out, out in the world as well, and we stand, as Gentiles and Jews today, on a level ground. And yet we do recognize the Jews do bear a special privilege, a special honor as being the people through whom God came into our world. Uh, And and not only that, but the people among whom God dwelt, uh, even while we were in darkness or our ancestors were in darkness, God dwelt for for more than a thousand years with the people of, of Israel. So finally, the coming of Jesus is glory to them. They who were believing in God, hoping in God, waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise. When Jesus comes, it is glory to them. Uh, They have the unique privilege of being the people from whom the Messiah comes. And and this was God's promise to Abraham, right? When God called Abraham out of Ur and and, uh, called him to, to follow him, to believe in him. And his promise was that he would not only make a great nation out of him, but also that through his offspring he would bless all the nations. He says, through your offspring I will bring blessing to the whole world. And and all through the, the Old Testament, the Jews themselves often forgot it that their purpose was ultimately to be a blessing to the whole world. But throughout the Old Testament, the focus from God's perspective is always on out on the nations. That's what the day of Pentecost is all about, right? The harvest day uh, when the, all the world will be brought back to God. And, and the people of Israel then had that unique privilege. Uh, and, and even now... Uh, even now, as, as Jesus has, has died and, and risen and ascended into heaven, uh, He dwells as a Jew. Right? He, he, the Lord Jesus is still a Jew. The Jews bear that unique privilege that, humanly speaking, by our human race, our Lord, whom we worship, is of the Jewish people. Is this not glory to the people of Israel? Uh, not to mention, of course, every one of the twelve apostles, were Jews. The, the Apostle Paul, as well, uh, was was a Jewish man. And so the Jews do bear a special honor. And you see that even in the New Testament. Uh, there is uh, uh, a, a fundraiser that Paul organizes in in the New Testament for the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, because they were persecuted. Uh, and he encourages the Gentiles, they, the Jews have brought you such great spiritual privileges, Do you not owe it to them to also take care of their earthly material needs? Uh, There's a special honor and glory to the Jewish people that Simeon, of course himself a Jew, recognizes what a great privilege it is that we get this kind of glory. So that's what Simeon sees, these three things, as he holds the baby Jesus in his arms. He looks down at at the the baby's face and, and he recognizes in him The salvation of God for all people, the the light of revelation for people that didn't know God, and glory for the people of Israel who who had that special privilege of knowing Him. Uh, The final thing I want to think about as as we reflect on Simeon's song is the love and mercy of God. Uh, that, that's there in that scene as, as this old man is holding the baby Jesus, looking at him and recognizing, here's the fulfillment of God's promise. Do you see the love and mercy of God in that moment? Uh, he never owed us salvation. He didn't need to save a, a fallen and broken humanity, and yet he came out of his abundant love. It was the love of God and the mercy of God that compelled him to come, as a humble infant, into our broken world to save us who were estranged from him, even hostile to him, to save us from our own darkness. Uh, The story of Jesus' birth uh, in the Gospel of Luke uh, has a special emphasis even on the poverty of, of this baby Jesus, the poverty of him and his parents. Not only was he, of course, born in a barn because there was no place for them in the inn, so uh, he had to be born in a barn surrounded by, by animals, uh, laid in a manger, a very undignifying place for a baby to lay. Uh, and then here at the temple too, you see it again, when they came to present the baby Jesus before God, typically a family was supposed to present a lamb, for, for their sacrifice, for the redemption of the firstborn. It was supposed to be a lamb, uh, but there, in the law, there was a special provision made for very, very poor families who couldn't afford a lamb. And in, in their case, they could give instead either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, just just measly sacrifices because that's all they could afford. And that's the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph brought to the temple. They couldn't afford a lamb uh, they weren 't rich like that. all they could do is is two young turtle doves uh, so this Christmas, as we think about the, the salvation for all peoples, the light for us Gentiles, the glory for Israel, recognize the love of God to come into our world in the first place and to be one of us in this dark, broken world, to to experience the poverty that we experience because of our own sin and brokenness. And that is what Christmas is about. Uh, God himself, in all of his majesty and glory, coming down into an undignifying, uh, unpleasant, poor, broken world in order to save the sinners who are there in that world. Uh, And so if there's ever a time to remember and and rejoice in the love of God and the mercy of God, surely it is on Christmas. Uh, And in coming to our world like this, God also gives us an example, doesn't he? Of reaching down into a broken world, into the brokenness of someone else's life, in order to be a blessing to them and to, 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 to give them hope. Uh, Just as as Jesus laid aside then his heavenly glory and his honor and his majesty to come and dwell as a baby in a poor barn laying in an undignifying dirty manger, Uh, so this Christmas let us be compelled by the love of God to remember if this is what God did for us, then this is what God would have us do also for one another. Uh, To remember uh, one another in each other's brokenness and each other's pains and to remember the world around us. Uh, remember this, this, this light that comes to the darkness. And there are many around us who still don't know God. Remember them this Christmas. And let us then bear the same burden of love that Jesus bore for us in coming to our world. And so I want to leave you with a question. What would it look like for you this Christmas to enter into the poverty, the darkness uh, of the lives of? around you, whether it be your family, whether it be your, your neighbors, whether it be your co-workers, or those whom God has placed in your life, what would it look like for you to enter into their brokenness and their poverty to show them the light, the riches, and the love of God? Some of us, and and, and Some of our neighbors as well are experiencing tremendous pressures. You know this, this Christmas season, it comes with all sorts of pressures, whether it's financial pressures, not being able to give the gifts that they would love to give, or relational pressures, wishing that they had a family around them to celebrate Christmas with them and not having it. How might we be able to enter into their poverty, their brokenness, to show the love and kindness that God has shown us by coming into our world. And the reality is, isn't it, that all of us experience uh, this this same poverty, be it to uh, differing degrees, but all of us experience a certain degree of financial uh, inability, of, of relational poverty, loneliness, alienation, distance also uh, between us and God, uh, an absence of, of affection and love that, that ought to be there, that all of us, none of us experience to the degree that, that we would love. Uh, what might it look like then for us to enter into the, the relational poverty of one another's lives, to be and and to embody the love and kindness of God. And most significantly of all, all of us experience, uh, I think, a great degree of spiritual poverty. Uh, The more I've grown as a Christian, uh, the more I've come to realize how how spiritually poor even the best of us, even the holiest of us are, Uh, how little relationship with God we enjoy uh, compared to the the kind of relationship with God that we were made to have. Uh, I know that in in Christ, many of us do experience uh, intimacy with God, relationship with God, and that is a tremendous blessing. You think of the Psalms, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We do experience that, but all of us have a long ways to go, don't we? Uh, there, there's so, so far to grow in enjoying that sweet relationship with God, in enjoying the perfect peace of God, uh, that, that daily rejoicing in God that Christians are called to have. All of us experience a great deal of, of spiritual poverty. And you can imagine what it was like for the Lord Jesus to come from the glories of heaven and perfect intimacy with God in heaven, to come into our spiritually poor world where people don't enjoy relationship with God, or there's no depth to that relationship with God. What would it have been like for the baby Jesus to come into our world, our spiritually poor and broken world? And yet that's what he did, right? He came and dwelt among a people estranged from God in order to bless them with the presence of God, to be Emmanuel with them. Uh, So how might we follow our Savior in this way also, in entering into the the spiritual poverty uh, of one another's life, uh, to encourage each other, to speak hope and comfort into each other's lives, and and to to help one another walk with God in this Christmas season? Uh, How might we show the love of God in ministering to those who are spiritually poor, around us, immediately around us in the church, and those who are spiritually poor outside of the church. I, I know some of you have, have uh, in the past even given Bibles as a gift uh, to, to your neighbors or your co-workers. Uh, how might you in this Christmas season then give the gift of God's word or give the gift of God's presence to those around you so that they might also share in that light that is for all the nations. As we think about these questions and consider how we might act on them, uh, let us do so with rejoicing, for today our Savior is born into our world. Let us remember and rejoice in the overflowing love of God for us sinners. Joy to the world indeed, for the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King, the salvation of all peoples, the light for us Gentiles, and the glory for God's people, Israel. Amen. Let's respond by singing from hymn 19. Brother Jacob Faber, who was engaged this past weekend with Ruth Hutton. So we'll thank the Lord for that and ask for his blessing on their preparations for marriage. Let's come before the Lord our God in prayer. Gracious God and Father, we remember on this Christmas morning your great love for us sinners we who are lost and in darkness we are the gentiles those who who were previously without god without hope in this world estranged from you alienated from you uh, and even hostile towards you and filled with evil deeds oh lord we thank you that your love was so great that you came into our world in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, you, you, You sent your Son to be our Savior, to live the life we ought to have lived, to die the death we deserve to die, to rise to new life, so that we might also rise to new spiritual life and be brought into your presence as a new people in his name. Oh Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Uh, on this Christmas as we think about uh, the the little hands of Jesus being prepared to go to the cross, uh, we we recognize so deep is your love uh, that you would endure such affliction for our redemption. Oh Lord, we pray that you would... uh, Assure us and comfort us in this gospel truth uh, this Christmas season as we as we celebrate. Also with our families that it would be a celebration that is grounded entirely on, on the knowledge of your grace. That we would not lose sight of, of the most important and most precious gift that was ever given to us. We pray that more and more you would also be the light in our world. For there are areas even in our own lives that are still shrouded in in darkness, things that are not quite right, things that are not brought in accordance with your word. We pray that more and more through your spirit you would shine light into our world so that we would see uh, the areas of our lives that still need correction, that we would see our sin, that it would be brought to to the light so that it might also be dealt with. Uh, We pray that you would uh, bless also the... The the brothers and sisters in Life Renewal this this Christmas season as they take a a break from from their work and also think about the the process of of having uh, dark areas of of life being brought to light we, we thank you for the great work that is done in that organization and we pray that you would continue to bless our brothers and sisters as they uh, take a, a brief hiatus and then go. Uh, soon straight back into that work. We pray that you'd give them strength, give them uh, courage. We pray bless especially the the participants in Life Renewal who are enjoying or, or going back to be with their families in, in this Christmas season. So for some of them, it will not be a, a very joyful or easy time. We pray that you would give them comfort, uh, give them strength and conviction to uh, begin living by the things that that they have learned and seen in your word. We pray that you give them joy even as they uh, experience your love and mercy towards them and then also share that mercy uh, with those in their lives. We pray that you bless all of us as a congregation as we also uh, look out to those around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, colleagues, uh, whatever it might be, those who do not yet know you. We pray that you'd give us in this season compassionate, tender hearts that we might remember them and reach out to them, that they too might see the light of of your grace. Lord, we, we give you thanks for our brother and sister Jacob Faber and Ruth Hutton, that they could express their love for one another and make commitments to one another and now be able to look forward to married life. We pray that you'd bless them as they make these preparations that they would have strength and wisdom for for all the preparations that need to be made. And we pray that especially you'd bless this season of engagement as they will soon have a a specific date uh, to which they will be quickly headed. And we pray that this would also uh, enable them to to work hard on all the things that uh, they must work on spiritually before you as they prepare to be husband and wife. It is a glorious and wonderful calling and yet also a calling that challenges us, that reveals us for who we are, that pushes us forward as husband and wife. We pray that you'd bless them as they uh, make the, the preparations for this new phase of life. We also pray for those in our midst who are lonely uh, those especially who are widowed, who, who grieve the loss of, uh, of a loved one, a spouse. Also those who grieve the loss of, of children, uh, who experience that empty seat at the Christmas table. We pray that you'd give them abundant joy and comfort and hope. Uh, we pray that even as, as we grieve, it might be a grief that is still founded upon joy. Uh, because you have come into our world to save us, and all things will be made right. So we pray, give us the comfort, the hope that we need. Help us as a congregation also to remember those around us who, who are lonely, those who are grieving, and those who are widowed. We pray that you would... Uh, enable us to to bring them into our families, that they might not experience a a Christmas of being by themselves, but might experience the the overflowing love and family bonds of of Christian fellowship. We pray, then bless us in all that we do this day, that all may be to your honor and glory, and all that we do may be overflowing with joy and gratitude. We pray this in Christ's name alone. Amen. We have now an opportunity to give our gifts of gratitude to the Lord our God. The gifts for this morning are for the Christian Counseling Center. And then once we've given our gifts, we'll sing our final song, that's Hymn 23. Before the blessing, let me just give a quick reminder that the kids will be singing immediately after the service, just so you're aware of that. The Lord then sends us with His blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.